This is episode 58 of Ethics and Culture Cast from the DeNicola Center for Ethics and Culture. Welcome to episode 58 of Ethics and Culture Cast from Notre Dame's DeNicola Center for Ethics and Culture. I'm Ken Hellenius, the communications specialist at the center. In this episode, we chat with Brian Mulholland, assistant professor of the practice in the mathematics department at Notre Dame. We chat about how he discovered his own passion for math and how his research in pedagogy is leading to improving learning outcomes for undergraduates across the disciplines. Let's sit down together for this delightful conversation. Well, Brian Mulholland, thank you so much for coming to be with us. It's great to be here. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? Where did you do your studies? Kind of those sorts of things. I like to joke with people that when they ask me where I'm from, that I'm from uh, the United States of America, um, <laughs> and mostly because I moved around a lot. Uh, I was born in New York, and uh, while my parents were grad students at Cornell, uh, and they're originally from Buffalo, so I have a lot of ties to New York. Um, but I also lived in Georgia. I spent a lot of my life growing up in Jersey, so. I know a good bagel when I see one. Uh, but then my, my parents told me when I was about to enter high school that they were moving to Washington. And that's when I found out there's a state called Washington. They didn't mean D.C. Uh, so I went to high school in Washington State. So I've lived a lot of areas of the country. I ended up actually after high school deciding I, I didn't want to go to college at first. So I actually was a part of a Catholic missionary group called Net Ministries, which stands for the National Evangelization Teams, and got training and traveled the country in a van uh, to be able to share my faith story, uh, put on retreats, and kind of explore different areas of the country. Afterwards, I didn't know what I exactly wanted to do, and so I didn't think that I wanted to go to college. Um, I actually was kind of had a job as a security officer where I was guarding vegetables in a warehouse. <laughs> as you might be able to guess, not many people were interested in stealing vegetables. So it was a rather boring job. <laughs> uh, and I started every morning at 3.30 a.m. And they were just like, hey, just stay awake. You know, that's essentially <laughs> what was my job. Stay awake and let truck drivers in. Um, and they didn't really care how I did that. And so what ended up happening is I started watching TV to keep myself up. And after watching all 10 seasons of Friends in the course of three weeks, my brain started slowly uh, not appreciating that. Um, and luckily, I had a cousin who finished her undergraduate work as an astrophysicist at Princeton. And she and I were talking, and she's like, let me send you my old math textbooks, just kind of out of the blue. And I was like, that would be great. And I made an agreement with myself. I had to kind of finish a section in a math textbook before I could watch an episode of TV. Kind of gave myself a little bit of that. And it didn't take long before I started reading these math textbooks on my own and just became fascinated by the content. 
it was much more interesting to me than anything I had learned previously. Um, it challenged my thinking, and I really wanted to continue to explore mathematics. It took me a while, but eventually I reached out and I was like, well, how do I continue learning? Because I realized at some point I could teach a lot of stuff on my own, but I needed kind of a mentor, a guide to help me even just tell me where to go next. And so that's what ended up kind of guiding me to deciding I need to go to college. So long story short, I eventually ended up applying to a small state school, uh, Westchester, right outside of Philadelphia. And uh, that's where I ended up doing my studies. The math department kind of welcomed me with open arms. They were able to kind of help me continue my education because they saw what I had taught myself and were able to kind of put me in the right classes so I could continue to be challenged and continue to kind of grow mathematically. And when I finished my undergraduate degree, I still wanted to know more. And so I applied to a lot of different graduate schools based on a lot of advice from people. Um, and the I got into a couple different ones, but one of the ones that I got into was the University of Notre Dame. Uh, and Notre Dame obviously is not only a highly prestigious academic school, but also a Catholic school. And I wanted to be in an environment where I could explore and continue exploring my uh, mathematical abilities, but also um, a place to kind of cultivate my faith and my relationship with um, friends, family, and God. And Notre Dame seemed like the perfect environment for this. And so that's when I kind of committed to let's go to Notre Dame to work on my graduate work in mathematics. And that's what brought me to start my studies here. Wow. Well, and what has your experience been like since you've been at Notre Dame? Because obviously you came and then you haven't left. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I haven't left and I'm okay with that. <laughs> yeah. um, I love my experience here at Notre Dame. I think what drew me to Notre Dame's graduate program in particular was not only just the academics, but even in the department, the community that was built. Um, the graduate students worked with their faculty members, and it felt like a very collaborative environment where students w and faculty were encouraging each other. And it wasn't as competitive in the sense of cutthroat. Um, it was all about trying to help each individual become the best mathematician that and graduate student that you could be. Um, and I really liked that environment. And although I just started experiencing it in the math department, I think it's really true about the university as a whole. Uh, as I continued my studies here, I ended up working as an assistant rector in one of the dorms and being able to see throughout through the eyes of the undergraduates that I got to work with and help how they worked as a community. Um, I really do like the phrase God, country, Notre Dame and kind of the focus on how God has brought community to our school and we're trying to become um, citizens of Notre Dame and citizens of the world and citizens of our country here, not just educating for a career. I always say that my teaching philosophy really um, is inspired by Blessed Basil Moreau and that we can't educate the mind at the expense of the heart. And 
I think that core value is what has made this experience here at Notre Dame so amazing um, and why I love being here. Well, now, what exactly do you teach? Um, you know, because I know mathematics has lots of different areas. So what's mm-hmm. your particular area of expertise? So my graduate research was in the mathematics of quantum mechanics. Um, I studied something called the Siegel-Bargman transform. It's a way of looking at uh, quantum particles, essentially, from a mathematical perspective. Uh, but really what I do now mostly is focus on uh, teaching undergraduates. And I do a variety of different courses. Right now, I am the chair of our uh, Calculus 3, our multivariable calculus course, which has almost 400 students in it. I teach uh, introduction to linear algebra and differential equations, so a lot of courses that our engineers take. I also got to teach some really interesting courses like the mathematics of architecture, Uh, and be able to work with our architecture students and explore some of the mathematical and historical developments throughout our architectural past. And that kind of inspired me as well to eventually teach a Introduction to Mathematical Writing and History course, um, which I helped design and develop. And it was a great experience to be able to put two passions of mine together, which is mathematics and history, and being able to look at mathematics in its historical context. Uh, It's crazy how much we think about mathematics in such an ahistorical way. Um, Oftentimes, the things that we're Grown, we grow up with, we take for granted, and it's 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 crazy to not to realize that some of the things that we talk about took thousands of years to develop that we just take completely for granted nowadays. Um, So that was a fascinating course to teach as well. And this semester, I'm also teaching a a beginning logic course, which has a lot of poli-sci majors, a lot of philosophy, a lot of program of liberal studies majors. Um, And they also bring a very unique perspective uh, to mathematics uh, in a way that you know, you don't get from all the time from either the engineers or the math majors, et cetera. Yeah. So, so you're teaching across the disciplines in terms of the your, – your students are coming from everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. What are Notre Dame students like? What are Notre Dame students like? Um, I would say Notre Dame students are very passionate about what they want to do in their life. Um, and so the engineers, they really want to make a change in the world and they want to do it through their engineering. And so oftentimes in my math courses, um, they ask me questions about how they're going to use their mathematics in the future. And sometimes, to be honest, I can't answer their questions. Uh, and that's why I find it very important to have an interdisciplinary view. I try to pull in um, undergraduate TAs or uh, guest lectures from other departments uh, to be able to share how they've used mathematics and the mathematics that I'm teaching uh, in their careers. So that way it can kind of inspire in ways that I can't, but I can also show them the importance of the mathematical rigor. Uh, Similarly with, for example, this beginning logic class, I had – Many students who started out this semester skeptical because they were just like, I have to take a math course. But they found that 
there's this interdisciplinary view that can help them in their own futures and what they want to do in their life. And so that's what I would say is, is Notre Dame students are very, very curious and um, desiring and very passionate about where they want to go. And my job is mostly just to help walk with them and help guide them along that path. Uh, but that's one thing that I love working with Notre Dame students is they – they're already driven. You just have to help guide them a little bit. Fun. Well, now, how did you first get connected to the DeNicola Center for Ethics and Culture? Um, it, it was a little bit of a coincidence, actually. Uh, my sister was a undergraduate here, and she applied for a student worker job with uh, the DeNicola Center. But she thought she was applying for a job for the Center of Social Concerns. <laughs> In the same building. In the same building. <laughs> um, and so when the interviewer was asking her about what things the DeNicola Center has done that she really appreciates, she just started listing things that the Center of Social Concerns did. Somehow, she still got hired. <laughs> um, and she had an amazing experience here. Uh, she loved the fall conference. She loved being able to work um, alongside people who shared her values and um, supported the mission of the university. And so it was a coincidence, but it ended up being more actually really, I think, divine providence. Um, and her being my sister, she reached out to me and was like, I know you're a graduate student here. Uh, you got to come to – Honestly, she said, you got to come to the tailgate. And so that was really my first experience. And after talking to a lot of the uh, staff at the center um, and being able to kind of look at the mission of the DeNicola Center, um, I started attending a variety of different events. Um, I think one of the first big ones besides the tailgates was attending some of the fall conferences and being able to look at uh, the mission of the university from an interdisciplinary view. I can look at the world from my mathematician view, um, but that's obviously not complete. And so being able to start collaborating with others and being able to ask questions that we have, that we come at answers with from very different perspectives is something that I've always really appreciated about the DeNicola Center. And that's kind of how I first got involved, was just starting to attend a bunch of different events through my sister. Well, now, what sort of work have you done with the center now? Because you're formally affiliated with us, as is your, your wife as yes. well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so some of the stuff that I've done is continuing just to be present and attend conferences and work with the staff on either the Vita Institute or the Fall Conference, moderate panels, and just be present. Um, I think that's a big thing that I kind of collaborate with the center uh, with is being able to be present with the undergraduates and being able to kind of openly share my desire for the Catholic mission of the university and being able to be a resource for these students. Uh, apart from that is just a 
general kind of conversation, I feel like, uh, being able to share my perspective as a mathematician, uh, being able to uh, share my perspective to undergraduates, um, and being able to show kind of the relationship between uh, the sciences and the uh, humanities. Um, other things that I have done is my wife and I, we're going to be hosting uh, dinners uh, for some of the Soren Fellows to be able to share our faith life, our academic life, our personal lives with these undergraduates who may not have that experience with many of their professors. Uh, so just to be opportunity to kind of be representatives of people who care about the Catholic mission of this university and the, the the dialogue that we have with each other, too, in our own family life. Sure. That's part of the Soren Supper Club series, which uh, obviously we didn't get to do during COVID. Yeah. <laughs> and we're so excited this year uh, to be back. To oh, that. yes. <laughs> I'm very excited for it as well. So, Well, uh, what sort of work are you doing now? So uh, obviously, you're teaching undergrads. Do you get to continue to do research uh, or, or kind of yeah, what are you working on? I definitely have the opportunity to do mathematical research, but especially with everything that happened last year, my primary area of research right now is on how best to serve our undergraduate population um, in terms of pedagogy, in terms of teaching. So I'm doing, I'm starting more formal research in that area. I actually got to experiment last year with something called mastery grading. Um, and the idea behind mastery grading is kind of creating an environment in the classroom that's more realistic to life. If any of you remember your, your experiences in college or high school, you learn material and then you take an exam on it and you either pass or fail and – then you don't really kind of get opportunities maybe until the final to demonstrate that you've learned from any failures. And that's kind of really unfortunate because in life, we fail all the time. And those failures should be opportunities for us to learn and grow and do better and to better ourselves. And it's, in my opinion, kind of sad that our university structures, our grading system is designed around a way where Failure is not seen as an opportunity for growth. And so I was able to look at our grading system and kind of change it around where students are given an opportunity to, to show how they've worked on a certain skill. Um, and then what they would do is they take a question, a test on it, on that one skill, and then they'd get feedback did they do well? Did they understand the material? Or are there areas that they still need to grow? And if they are able to demonstrate mastery, are they able to demonstrate that they actually know the skill, then great. They can kind of move on and continue learning and continue building on other skills. But if they fail on it, why punish them for failing? Let's give them an opportunity to, ha to grow from this experience. And so I've created a grading system where when they fail, they can come to office hours. They can ch show their work, kind of chat with the professors, learn from their mistakes. And then when they're ready, say, OK, I want another opportunity to be able to demonstrate that now I've learned that material. 
Because by the end of the course, as long as they've learned all of the skills that are necessary for this course, why haven't they deserved a really good grade in this? We see so many students who get so deflated because they take their first exam and that's their real first opportunity to evaluate themselves. They fail and then they know their grade is destroyed for the rest of the semester and they might drop it as opposed to taking an opportunity then to say, okay, where did I mess up? Let me hit the ground running now and learn from these mistakes. And students responded really well to this last year. Um, I had such an increase in office hours. I had an increase in students asking for help and actually asking questions on how do I get this as opposed to how do I just get a good grade. And the focus became on the content as opposed to the grade. Now, this is all anecdotal because this was a small experience last year, as we know, was a crazy time. So I'm working with uh, the Real Lab uh, on campus and working with a couple other um, partners across campus to look at uh, this grading system that um, I've been using and implement it in a couple different classrooms and be able to see its effectiveness. Are students learning better uh, long term? How are they doing comparatively to people who have traditional tests? And obviously, I have my hypotheses. I think this is a better system um, that increases not only student learning and student motivation. And there are some historical studies that kind of indicate this. But that's kind of the research that I'm doing right now because I want to be able to create an environment for these students, like I said in my graduate experience, where we're not based on competing against one another. We're based on creating an environment where the student can continue to grow and maximize their abilities in my class. So that's really what I'm working on right now is to create that environment and create a class where students want to learn the content, not just get a good grade. Uh, that's an exciting, exciting yeah. <laughs> project. Well, thank you. I'm uh, excited to see how it goes. So Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you to Brian Mulholland. In the show notes, you will find a link to learn more about his work in the math department on his faculty page. Subscribe to Ethics and Culture Cast so that you can always get the latest episodes by visiting ethicscenter.nd.edu slash podcast. We would love your feedback. Please review the show on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts, and email your suggestions to cecpodcast at nd.edu. Our theme music is, I don't know, by Grapes, licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution License. We'll see you next time on Ethics and Culture Cast. Until then, make good decisions. <laughs>